can't watch that without being moved <laughs> to tears. What is the triumphal entry? Strange word, and it's in every Bible. It's the heading for this week, the triumphal entry, and why is that so important? Well, this is what I felt like the Lord said to me. He says, it's Jesus traveling straight towards you through the city of Jerusalem. His GPS was set on you. He saw that you were dying on your own. His journey to you went straight through Jerusalem. He took over kingship of the world, whole world and headed straight for the cross because he knew if he did not, you would perish. You would die. You would burn in hell. You would suffer eternal separation from God. And he could not bear it anymore. It was the fullness of time. And you were in his sights. He did it for you. Do you believe this? Do you, do you believe that he did it for you? What, what do you believe? I handed out these cards with the Apostles' Creed on them for you. Okay, And I'm, I'm going to try to recite it. We'll see. I want you to read it along with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Are you reading it with me? Who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Is that amazing? I, I've learned that by heart at 12. We should know what we believe. We really should. I, I think we're at a fault, the charismatic church, because we don't insist that, that our kids learn this stuff, that they understand and have a knowledge of what it is that they believe. I want you to take it home, put it on your mirror, put it on the wall, have it handy. When you, so when someone says, what do you believe? You can say, this is what I believe. We're going to... The, the, this is a hinge of history that this week, it's a hinge in the history of the world. And I'm going to be talking to you about just two lines in that whole thing that we believe. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. And Pastor Dick will um, discuss the resurrection next week. But we have to cover this. It's so valuable to us. We're going to be talking about the revealing of the king, the communion of the king, coronation of the king and the cross of the king. So we're going to be looking at Mark 11, 1 through 10. In the, this is the ESV Bible. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples to them and, set, and said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and we uh, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside the street and they untied it. And some of those standing by said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said, they told him what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, 
and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. That's what you got in your hand, the leafy branches. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Here is the revealing of the king. Luke states it this way um, in 1938 through 40, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. During Jesus' ministry, there were several occasions when people attempted to uh, promote him as the king. And he, he, would, he would back away from it. And he would, no, my, my hour is not yet. It's not time. But on this day, um, he arranged it meticulously. On this particular day, he rode into the city on a donkey, deliberately fulfilling a prophecy by Zechariah that the Messiah would present himself as king in just this way. Zechariah 9.9, I want to read it to you. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, the fowl of an ass. The Pharisees felt like this overzealous crowd was blaspheming. They were proclaiming Jesus as Messiah and King, but Jesus endorsed it this time. If the very stones will cry out, if they don't. This occasion of Jesus presenting himself as King, according to historical records and people who get into this, you know, going back in time, days, and all that, on April 6th and 32 A.D. And um, there's a prophecy in Daniel, in uh, Daniel 9.5, and there's so much precision in this prophecy. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going out of this word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks of days. That works out to 173,880 days. If you just use whatever method they use. I'm not scientific enough. When, this is um, written by uh, an author by the name of Chuck Meisler. When you examine the period between March 14, 445 B.C., when Daniel received the prophecy, and April 632 A.D., the day Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time, which is today, Palm Sunday, and correct for leap years, we discover that it is exactly 173,880 days to the very day. If you want to read more about this, please look up Palm Sunday Surprise, The Unexpected King by Chuck Meisler. After entering the city, uh, Jesus heals the blind, he curses the fig tree, he cleanses the temple. He continues to do the things that he was doing all along. He didn't stop. He didn't enter the city and then all well, that stopped. It continued all along the way. He was doing what he did the most of, and that's healing. <laughs> During those five days, um, so many things took place that I, I can't cover them all. can't cover them all. We have a short amount of time, but please read about them this week. Take the time out of your busy year to read about all those things that he did and he was heading towards his death, but he still did them. 
I want to read to you from Luke 22, verses 7 uh, through 38, about the communion of the king, which is called the Last Supper. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be slain. Passover lamb had to be slain. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare for us the Passover meal, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? He said, Behold, when you come into the city, a man carrying an earthen jug or pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him into the house which he enters, and say to the master of the house, The teacher asks you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover meal with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished with the carpets and couches properly spread, and make your preparations. And they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they made ready the Passover supper. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly and intently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall eat it no more until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide and distribute it among yourselves. For I say to you that from now on I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine at all until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in like manner, whoops, in, in like manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament of covenant. New Testament of covenant, ratified in my blood, which is shed and poured out for you. This rich, rich tradition they had of the Passover, 2,000 years, each year they would celebrate this Passover meal. And today, on this day, a reality was going to happen that they did not understand. Uh, throughout the Gospels, there's records of, um, them, of him telling them that he was going to suffer and die. They didn't get it. They, it even as Pastor Dick mentioned, I'm going to read to you Matthew 20, 17 through 19. Now, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside and said to them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Sometimes even indirectly, as in John uh, 2, 18, 19, he says, they said, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Even the Old Testament testified to what was going to happen. In Exodus 12, 23, it says, The Lord will go, out th go throughout Egypt to kill the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on top of the sides of the doorframe, he will pass over that doorway, and he will not let the destroyer come your, into your home to kill you, the death angel. He was preparing to die and rise again. Those wonderful men that he chose their hope, they just didn't get it. Their hope was in an earthly king. Um, Chris Vallotton, are any of you familiar with Chris Vallotton from Bethel? He put it this way, I thought it was pretty excellent. No longer would God relate to the world as he had related to Pharaoh and Egypt. Instead, Jesus became the door of destiny 
covered in the blood of a sinless lamb, which would cause the wrath of God to pass over the world. For God so loved the world. It is the Lord God Almighty who sees the blood of Jesus on you and turns away his sentence of death. He is the one who sent the death angel. You are protected from the wrath of God, his just judgment, because Jesus says to him, you are mine. She is mine. He is mine. I paid the price, and my blood makes that one safe from the destroyer. So we cross over the agony of the garden when Jesus offers up his high priestly prayer in the arrest and the betrayal of Judas, and we come to the coronation of the king. Mark 15, 15 says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released to them Barabbas, but Jesus he scourged and delivered to be crucified. In John 19, 1 through 3, this is in the ESV Bible, says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, and put it on his head, and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. In John 19, 19, Pilate also had a notice written and placed on the cross. This is what was written on it, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Rather simple coronation. Not at all like the world. Isaiah made a, pro a prophetic declaration hundreds of years before this. He says in 53.5, But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. I'm going to read to you from some ancient documents concerning that Roman punishment. The Romans would, according to custom, scourge a condemned criminal before he was put to death. The Roman scourge, also called the phlegrum or flagellum, was a short whip made of two or three leather oxhide thongs or ropes connected to a handle. The leather thongs were knotted in a small piece of metal, usually zinc or iron, attached at various intervals. Scourging would quickly remove the skin. According to the history, to history, the punishment of a slave was particularly dreadful. The leather was knotted with bones or heavy intended indented pieces of bronze. Sometimes the Roman scourge contained a hook at the end and was given the terrifying name of the scorpion. The criminal was made to stoop, which would make deeper lashes from the shoulders to the waist. Deep lacerations, torn flesh, exposed muscles, and excessive bleeding would leave the criminal half dead. Death was often the result of this cruel form of punishment, though it was necessary to keep the criminal alive to be brought to public subjugation on the cross. The centurion in charge would order the lectors to halt the flogging when the criminal was near death. This happened before the crucifixion. Now the cross of the king, Good Friday. You know, when you hear, um, and he was crucified, 
died and was buried, um, it's really not enough. And they scourged him and they crucified him. It hardly says it, you know. You have to have some understanding of what scourging and crucifixion was. And our, our culture doesn't have anything to relate to that at all. And I suppose we can thank Mel Gibson. I thank God that they've given us that movie, The Passion of Christ, because it certainly changed my impression of all that happened during that time. I want to read to you from Matthew uh, 27, uh, 32 through 35. This is in the Amplified Bible. As they were marching forth, they came upon a man of Cyrene named Simon. This man they forced to carry the cross of Jesus. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means Calvary, the place of the skull, they offered him wine mingled with gall to drink. And when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided and distributed his garments among them by casting lots, so that the prophet's saying was fulfilled. They parted my garments among them, and over my apparel they cast lots. There's a lot not said in that, isn't there, about what happened when they crucified him? Luke says it pretty cool what happened afterwards. In Luke 23, 45 through 54, now from the sixth hour, noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, three o'clock. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, leaving me helpless, forsaking and failing me in my need? And some of the bystanders, when they heard it, said, this man is calling for Elijah. And one of them immediately ran and took a sponge, soaked it in with vinegar, a sour wine, and put it on a reed and was about to give it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him from death. And Jesus cried again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. At once, the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life. And coming out of the tomb, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were there keeping watch over him, over Jesus, observed the earthquake and all that was happening, they were terribly frightened and filled with awe and said, truly, this was God's son. Marianne and Pat, you want to come up? And justice was served through the innocent so that mercy could be extended to the guilty. That's Chris Bolleton also. So we have the revealing of the king, the communion of the king, the coronation of the king, and the cross of the king. There is no way I could adequately cover all the importance of this week or even convey it to you. And, you know, Pastor Dick did share in quite detail they should have been waiting at the tomb for all the information they had. He had prepared them. Are you prepared? Justice has been served. Are you looking for mercy extended to the guilty? Many of us have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and perhaps some, you know, maybe though this is the first time you've ever heard the full gospel of Jesus um, Maybe you've never asked Jesus as king of your life and received his provision for delivery from the possibility of death. 
eternal death and separation from God. I want to take a minute. I want you all to stand, if you would, please. Because there may be someone who has never said this, and because we're going to take the Last Supper that Jesus requested us to do, I want to give you an opportunity to make things right, but just repeat after me, okay? And um, either way, you're going to be covered <laughs> if you re repeat this after me, okay? Jesus, I acknowledge I have sinned and I want to repent of myself and my own ways. I'm going to stop here for a second. I'm going to give you a, a, just a little bit of time. There's something on your heart, something you've just been longing to get off, to get rid of. I, you just want to repent of You want to give it to Jesus. I'm going to give you a minute. Just in your heart of hearts, speak to him about that thing that you know has separated you from him. Ask him for forgiveness. Release your sins to him. I want you to continue to repeat after me. I am choosing to believe that you died for me on that cross and took my sin upon yourself that day. I proclaim you as king of my life, and I want to follow you. Follow you. Come into my heart and make it your dwelling place. There's a party going on in heaven, I think, today. Please come and partake of communion, and um, we'll just come up to the front, and we'll all take it together, okay? Okay.